All right, welcome today, Romans chapter number one, and we'll be in the book of Romans, class number four. This is the 2021 version of the book of Romans. And at the last class, we went up through verse number 17. We're going to start in verse 17 again, read 17 and 18, because those two verses together show a disconnect in the chapter. Now, I would say that the first 17 verses are uh, describing uh, Paul himself, his role, his calling, his vocation, his, his ministry, his viewpoint. It describes things about believers, about the power of the gospel, about how a man becomes a believer. Uh, in the sense of verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. And then when you uh, transition from verse 17 to 18, it, it begins to be a description of the lost. It begins to be a description of those that have went away from God. Not that God had went away from them, but they had went away from God. They knew God and they turned their back on God. And so we'll read verse 17 and 18 together and we'll see that. Verse, thir uh, verse 17, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. When he says therein, he's talking about in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So in verse 17, you see the righteousness of God revealed. That's through the gospel. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven. In verse number 24, you see, Wherefore God also gave them up. It's not that God uh, created grief, uh, created anguish, created hell, and then created man for him to get uh, caught up in those things. That's not what happened. God created man, and then man went away from God. Uh, not only that, but in time to come, Jesus died on the cross for their sins, and men rejected that and walked away from that. As a result of man's rejection of God, God gave them up unto uncleanness. It's not the other way around. It's not a malicious God. It's a merciful God. It's a benevolent God. It's an unthankful, unrighteous man who thumbs his nose at God who gets himself into trouble. And so the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. We often think of a wicked lifestyle producing bad results. And in a sense, it certainly does. But it's revealed from heaven. The author of consequences is God. God is the father of, of mercies and the God of all comfort. But he's also the God that created the evil. Now, God didn't create booze. God didn't create meth. God didn't create uh, pornography. But God created the evil. Evil can be a headache. You're talking about wickedness. when you're talk Most people read that verse, God created evil. And they translate that as wickedness. Or they interpret that as wickedness. God didn't create wickedness. God created the consequences for wickedness, which is the overall biblical revelation of what evil is. The consequences of sin is evil. Uh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's the bad consequences of things. A headache is evil. Uh, having to pay taxes is evil. <laughs> I mean, whatever you consider to be bad, not fruitful. Whatever you consider to be bad, not uh not helpful 
It's an evil thing. And evil can also mean wickedness. There's no question about that. You'll find some references in the Bible to sinful things that are referred to as evil. But the consequences of sin, in so much as God created the evil, he's talking about the fact that he created consequences. Wherefore, God gave them up. He's talking about they changed the glory in verse 23. They changed the glory and then God gave them up. So, when verse 18 says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, the consequences of sin, the wages of sin is death. These things are revealed from heaven. It's not that man had evil designs or wicked designs and it had it produced evil results. No man had wicked designs and God gave them evil. God gave them hardship and ultimately hell as a consequence of being an unbeliever. So in believing the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. In following after evil, in following after wickedness, the wrath of God is revealed. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Look out your window and see grass and trees interacting with the sun. Uh, photosynthesis, you see the uh, carbon interacting with the grass and the leaves of the trees to produce oxygen. Uh, two plus two is four. I mean, you look out there and you see what it is. You see that God has created something wonderful. You uh, consider that man might have come from an ape because man looks like an ape. Uh, well, well dig down underneath the skin look into the genetics of the thing look into the makeup of the thing you'll see there's definite difference there's things there that could I mean there couldn't possibly have been a a genetic change without a genetic uh, code to work with without uh, genetic directions for the body to follow and so one man uh, finds a wife and they produce a child and that child uh, is produced exactly in the image of his mother and his father and, and exactly in the image of grandfathers and grandmothers and uh, no apes going to come from a man no man's going to come from an ape apes are going to make apes men are going to make men these this thing is self-evident uh, they're talking about all these all this research that's going into evolution well how about putting the uh, research into what you have in this moment, which is, uh, as the Bible says, things reproducing after their kind, which is exactly what happens. And mutations never turn into advantages. Mutations are damaging, destructive. They don't uh, evolve. They devolve. They they devolute a man. That's a word I just made up. You can use it for free. So he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, right there in the creation, the proof of God is there. For God hath showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. God's eternal power shows up in the creation, and it shows up in the way things work, the way th the way things have motion the way things have power it's, the sinfulness of the world the sinfulness of the body the sinfulness of the mind is the thing that breaks things down god cannot allow sinfulness to be immortal god can't allow sinfulness to go on replicating itself 
uh, infinitely. just can't be done. So the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You can invent all sorts of fairy tales to explain away God, to explain away our responsibility to God, to explain away God's responsibility to us in the sense that he blesses the good and punishes the bad. You can explain that all away, but it's not going to change the truth. Verse 21, uh, the reasons for this uh, great excuse or, or this great lack of men's having an excuse because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was darkened. Men are without excuse and uh, they're without excuse because they once knew God and they made the conscious choice and the conscious effort to move away from God. And as they moved away from God, their foolish heart was darkened. And in that their foolish heart was darkened, God gave them over to do those things which were not convenient. Like do their best to prove that a, a man is really a woman and a he should be called a she simply because that's the way they feel. Well, I feel 70, but I don't identify as 70 because I'm only 50. My self-identity does not mean anything. The identity of God. Men like to argue this and say biology decides and physics decides. No, God decides. God created them male and female. God created the man and he created them male and female. And so mankind is divided biologically. That's true. But it's God that, that provided the nomenclature. Get away from God. You can decide to change that if you want to, but it's not going to change anything. And you'll have to use violence to enforce it. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And that's exactly who would try to enforce something like that, a fool. Only a fool would decide, would, only a fool would listen to a man claim to be a woman and then get so involved in that that he would try to enforce it for him. That's a fool. Verse number 23 and change the glory uh, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto uh, made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So uh, Easter is four-footed beast. Rather than men re uh, celebrate the resurrection of Christ, they change it into Easter bunnies and and man's most popular holiday, the creeping things, the ghosts and the ghouls and goblins. And corruptible man, Santa Claus, and birds, we don't, we're not thankful to God or have thanksgiving for God. We have Turkey Day, uh, where the main idea of the day is to eat. It's not good. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm not a, I don't go crazy over the fact of Santa Claus or if a church member has a Santa Claus as a decoration in their front yard. I don't care about that. What I do care about is that man gets so far away from God is that he uses these things as Passovers, a way to pass through a religious holiday whether it has great merit or little merit you can say what you want to about jesus not being born on december 25th but at least somebody recognizes that there is this jesus and that he did have a significant impact and believers know the full extent of that significant impact but when you don't want to give thanks to god and you're just going to refer to it as turkey day you're showing that there's a there's a mental uh, blackness and a mental darkness in there 
that is uh, going to be your demise. And that's where I would have the problem. If somebody is willing to say Merry Xmas rather than Merry Christmas, then I've got a problem with that, whether they're Christian or, or not a Christian. And if, uh, if a Christian would teach their kids that there's a Santa Claus, a big fat man that's going to come down their chimney and give them gifts after they've spent their, their whole year working and slaving to save for this uh, time of gift giving and then give the credit to somebody who doesn't exist, uh, I, I don't I don't agree with that for Christians or non-Christians. Again, I don't want to uh, belabor that point too much, but my point, uh, my trouble is not with Christians who decorate with Santa Claus or have Easter egg hunts. I don't have a problem with that. The Bible says an idol is nothing. We know that an idol is nothing. But when mankind begins to emphasize the corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and the creeping things at the expense of a God that made him, then we've got problems. Then we have problems. When a, when a man's foolish heart is darkened enough that he will use these made-up things and emphasize those in the life of his family when he won't emphasize the real thing, like God himself, like Christ our Savior, Christ our Creator, the Holy Spirit our guide, then there's where the major problem lies. There's where the problem lies with the world, and there's where the problem lies uh, with Christians who are going that direction. Verse number 24, Wherefore God also gave them up. Again, I, I talked about this a little earlier, but I'll reemphasize it here. God didn't create grief and hell and punishment and then create man but God created man and man went his way and man uh, a certain uh, group of men that we call unbelievers went uh, away from God to the point their foolish heart was darkened and at that point God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies now think about the immodest way that people dress this started in our country people have always been in people fully dressed can be immodest uh, a man uh, without clothes on can be immodest a man that's got a suit that costs nine hundred dollars is immodest a woman that you know has nine hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry on and uh, and doesn't consider the poor and doesn't consider uh, the work of the Lord, that's an immodest person. Immodesty doesn't mean short skirts, although short skirts are immodest. But when you think about, you know, the way uh, women and some men, unfortunately, uh, it's unfortunate for women as well, but how, how far does a man have to fall to where he would think, well, I'm going to walk around in, uh, in yoga pants myself or leggings or whatever you want to call them. It's ridiculous. And what it does ultimately is that this immodesty dishonors their own body. You see people now with tattoos all over their face and tattoos all over the place. I, I got into sin myself as a young man. I've got tattoos. I understand it. Our deacon at uh, People's Baptist Church in Georgia had his whole arms were sleeved up because he lived, he lived uh, uh, the lifestyle of a lost man before he got saved. That's understandable. I understand that. But the sense of the matter is, is that when we live in sin, we dishonor our own bodies. When a woman walks out in the street, immodestly dressed, whether it's leggings or short skirts or whatever the case might be, she may very well get attention from men. She may very well get attention from women. She may very well 
uh, be viewed as a, as a lust object by men, and she may be uh, viewed as a uh, as an idol by other women who would want to get that same attention. She may also be viewed negatively by women who don't want their husbands looking at her. But at the end of the day, even with the recognition of, of lust, you're still dishonoring your own body. Uh, you get on Facebook and present yourself in an immodest way, whether you're a man or a woman. You're doing a disservice to yourself and a dishonor to yourself. And men may not recognize the dishonor, but eventually in your life you'll recognize the dishonor and God recognizes the dishonor. And who would you rather have honor from? God? God's people? The world? Or the world's people? The devil? Or the devil's people? And the devil is not going to give you any honor at any rate. If you're a beautiful, attractive woman and you want to go out and present yourself that way, the devil is using you to distract and even to damn other men and women. So he says that these people who dishonor themselves, he says in verse 25, they changed or who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. God, the creator, God is blessed forever. This thing that you're worshiping, the self, the body, it's damnable. It's corruptible. And it's going to fall apart. But God, who you should have blessed, He's blessed forever. He is worthy forever. And because of that, because you chose to worship something corruptible rather than worshiping something everlasting, the Bible says, for this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. If you want to do something that's going to corrupt yourself, then God's going to give you up to vile affections. Affections that are even worse so that you get worse and worse results. You're not going to thrive in God's creation without God's principles and morals. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And that that word, even their women, even their women cha did change the natural use. That, that verse right there implies something that's sacred about a woman, something that is even more dignified than the dignity of a man. We, people talk about male chauvinism. Man has been given by God a place of authority, a place of leadership. I understand that to the fullest. But God has been given a high place. Uh, God has given women a high place and a sacred place and a place of honor. So much so that when God talks about men walking away from God and God turning them over to a reprobate mind or a delusional mind. He says the thing is so bad that even their women, even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. I find that women have a very natural nurturing nature. A very natural nurturing nature. A woman sometimes has more, a lot of times has more compassion they have more understanding they're more willing to help they're more willing to go an extra mile men is not set up the same way and part of that is from the fall I, uh, part of that is from the sin nature i understand that but there's a different design in a man and a woman has a a, a more reverent position so much so that god says even their women would do these things of course this thing proceeds from 
from God directing them into a dark place because they turned their back on them. I understand that, but even the women can be corrupted to this point. And likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Now this is 100% proof and the Bible makes this clear. The sin of Sodom was not homosexuality. The judgment of Sodom was homosexuality. I said it before and I'll say this again. It's that God did not create punishment and then create man to fall into that punishment. God created man to walk with him in fellowship and man walked away from God. Therefore, punishments derived from that. The sin of Sodom was idleness, fullness of bread, unthankfulness. And as a result of that, God turned them over to a reprobate mind and they, uh, they had this homosexuality, man lusting after man, man using a man for the purpose that God gave him a woman for. That is, that is the judgment that a man receives here. Homosexuality is a judgment here. Hell is a judgment afterwards. I gave you before the illustration. I believe I gave it in the last class on Romans chapter 1. But if not, I'll give it to you here for the first time. Romans chapter 1 describes in the first portion the description of the calling, the 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 way of ministry, the mindset of ministry, the callings that God has given man is all described in verse 1 through 17, the revelation of righteousness. In verse number 18 through 32, he gives the, the description, the revelation of God's wrath on men here. Not, not that God is going to send men to hell after they die. God is going to send unbelievers to hell after they die. But Romans 1 verse, 20, verse 18 through 32 is the description of God's judgment that he's going to give unbelievers while they're here to prevent them from carrying out their great lofty goals and expectations. In the Old Testament, men was going to build their own city up to heaven and God confounded their languages. In the New Testament, God reveals that when man tries to fulfill their own happiness, their own joy, their own uh, devices, their own hopes, their own dreams, their own desires, God's going to also, just like he confounded their languages at the Tower of Babel, he'll confound their mind. And when he, when he, when he confounds their mind, they're not able to do that which is convenient. When we're talking about what's convenient, we're talking about things that would be advantageous to them. Things that would promote them. Things that would uh, bring them to a higher place, a higher mind, a higher understanding. So what you're getting in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 32, is a spiritual tower of Babel. God tearing down the high things. Uh, that's what the Bible says. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds he said that those men exalt things in their mind they got high things in their mind they've got lofty goals and expectations but the product of sin in a man's life who's trying to live without God and deny God is going to be a a darkened situation. It's going to be a place where God pulls down their understanding so that they do inconvenient things that breaks them down rather than builds them up. And that's the whole point of this passage of Scripture. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful. Well, there's a lot of study you can do uh, all by yourself. Uh, Looking those words up in a dictionary, studying those things, looking for those things in other places in the scripture. That's a great list of things uh, that have been influenced by God into the minds of man for those who would choose to uh, be unbelievers, for those who would choose to know that he exists but walk away from him. These things are not things that leads to a profitable and advantageous life. And he says about this in summary, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. All right, we'll pick up next time in Romans chapter 2.